0: Good evening everyone, this is Doris Williams and I am just scrolling through some of the chapters of the Ecclesiasticus prior to me reading them and I tell you, I can honestly see and believe in my heart why they kept these books from us for so long I haven't always known about the Apocrypha I'm not sure if you've always known about it but I haven't and in my time of seeking after truth and knowledge and wisdom understanding her and loving her in every way possible I am getting convicted from reading Ecclesiasticus. Again, this is from the Apocrypha. Um, You know, for example, I haven't started on chapter 4, but I'm reading chapter 4, and just a little bit of it that I've read so far has convicted me because I've always turned my face away from poor people. You know, not in the sense of rejecting them or not trying to help them but let me just read it so you can kind of get what I'm saying or how I'm feeling what is it says make not an hungry soul sorrowful neither provoke a man in his distress add not more trouble to a heart that is vexed and defer not to give him that is in need this is the one that I want to just talk about just for a few seconds here reject not the supplication of the afflicted neither turn away thy face from a poor man Okay, that's, I just want to stop right there because I'm going to read the whole chapter and y'all can listen to the uh, chapter read in it in its entirety once i get it done but how many of you have seen a poor person or been around a poor person and turned your face from them just didn't have time didn't want to you know look at them that happened to me today and my inner heart my inner man spoke to me and said, go say something to her. But you know, I was on a quest to, you know, run basically to the dollar store, grab some cat stuff, because my neighbor's cat basically was outdoors. And so I was babysitting and I knew after I fed him, he was going to have to boo boo. So I wanted to get him something that, you know, make sure he didn't do that on my floor. So as I got to the store, really I wasn't in a hurry, but I was trying to get back home. I did have to clock in at a certain time. So anyway, um, I got to the dollar store, got out the car, and there was this lady just looking in, in a very distressful position just sitting there on the ground just as though either she was zoned out or and I believe the spirit told me in a very mild and very light way just go talk to her and tell her you know she needs to hear a word and you know I ignored that and when I read this today that's why it's so good to stay in the word of God when I read this little piece right here It just touched me and reminded me how many times I have turned my face away from a poor person. You know, we live in a time where, you know, if you got a car, a job, a house, a roof over your head, a place to stay, you feel like you're doing all right, you know. And when you see someone doing lesser than you are, and I'm not saying that this applies to every single person. This is just my brief synopsis of what this passage means to me and how it has convicted me. And so I just apologize to the Lord God Almighty for not taking the time and going and speak a word to that young lady as I should have and I hope and pray that this little brief recording touch you that you might be reminded to not turn your face away from a poor person I'm not saying that you need to go on some campaign and you know uh, do anything extra but whatever the Lord God Almighty is leading you to do. Let's learn to be obedient to God. Now, I did read something a little bit earlier that was so juicy to me as I was reading it. I was like, oh my goodness. You know, this has been kept from us. Let's see if I can find it really quickly. This is over in the cha- in chapter, chapter two. Uh, they that fear the Lord will not disobey his word. Isn't that good? Isn't that juicy? Because you got so many people saying that they love the Lord. And they will give you a thousand and one excuses why they are not obeying God's word. So that is chapter two of Ecclesiasticus in the apocrypha verse 15 i'm gonna read the whole verse i just read the first part of it ecclesiasticus chapter 2 verse 15 says they that fear the lord will not disobey his word and they that love him will keep his ways whose ways your ways no God said, His ways. They that love Him will keep His ways. Now, what is your excuse today? What is my excuse? What is your excuse? What is our excuse today for not keeping the ways of the Lord, for not obeying God's word? listen to verse 16. Now, I did do the recording already for this chapter, but I, I just I just wanted to come back and touch on a few things that just touched me when I read it, because I've read the Bible, but I've not read all of the Apocrypha. How many of you have read the Bible in its entirety? Now it's time to dig a little deeper And look at the Apocrypha. Check it out. Take a look-see before you make a judgment and saying, oh, well, if it wasn't in the Bible, I don't need to read it. Well, the devil is a lie, a big-time lie, keeping us from this juicy truth. It is so scrumptious. I'm, I'm not kidding, you guys. It is so good to me. I apologize if I'm being a little dramatic. I just love God that way. So verse 16 of that same chapter 2 says, They that fear the Lord will seek that which is well-pleasing unto unto him. They that fear the Lord will seek that which is well-pleasing unto him. Unto myself unto him God said that that is well pleasing unto him and they that love him shall be filled with the law what law is God talking about the law that God says for us to love God with all our heart all our mind and all our soul and all our understanding, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Comes all the way down to one commandment God's law does love. And love, love right. is not often practiced enough. <sighs> anyway. I ain't going to keep you guys much longer. I just wanted to give this word a little edification to just exalt on some of the word, how it is so amazing when I read it. I mean, it. let me just, before I go, I know I'm 11 minutes in. Something else touched me today because I had a meeting at work, and uh, this passage when I read it this evening it really touched me, and 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 I uh, I feel like I could have handled things a little bit better. So, it says, chapter two, verse four it says, whatsoever is brought upon thee, take cheerfully. <laughs> ain't helping me it ain't helping nobody but if this is something helping you as it is helping me let me read it again just so you can hear it Uh, again whatsoever that mean anything (laughs) Jesus help me today oh my Lord whatsoever is brought upon thee take cheerfully and be patient when thou art changed to a lower state so you know being brought to a low state could be people putting you down it could be conflict on the job it could be someone saying something to you making you feel less than you know who you are or what you are that you know a low estate could be done in many different ways Um, it's not just financial low estate but it could be spiritually or emotionally low estate and so um, I felt like I was there today in uh, that low estate area (laughs) and to come home and getting God's Word and, and see this, it's just like, oh, thank you Lord, you know because I I know in my heart, I have a pure heart God gave it to me, so I've recognized the gift I have a pure heart and so if anyone takes something I've done and make it look bad that's because they don't have a pure heart <laughs> oh yes so anyway there's a scripture that's bubbling up inside of me to those who are pure all things are pure but to those who are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure for even their mind and their conscience is defiled So, um, yeah, I'm going to leave you guys with that tidbit at 14 minutes in. And I hope that you enjoyed this little conversation that I had uh, on Ecclesiasticus. And uh, hopefully I will um, be led of the Spirit of the Lord to um, indulge and open up some of the passages uh, in these scriptures as I go forth. All right. I will add this to the Ecclesiastics. Chapter. God bless. Good afternoon and God bless. This is Doris Williams coming to you talking a little bit about chapter one of the Ecclesiasticus. I have been finding so much information about our Heavenly Mother about wisdom, about how God has called her a she. And if you are familiar with the Bible, you know that God has never been confused about gender. And it has been a known fact that when the Bible refers to he, that he, the Bible is referring to a male. And when the Bible is referring to a she, the Bible is referring to a female. Would you agree that there should be no conflict because we know God, our Father, is not confused about gender, never has been, never will be. And so on that note, I'm reading the Ecclesiasticus from the Apocrypha and it has truly cleared up some things for me that we not only have a father in heaven and the Son of God in heaven but we have a mother and her name is wisdom but she is also called our Heavenly Mother Now, it is nowhere written in the Bible, those words that I just mentioned, Heavenly Mother. But it doesn't have to for me to know that she exists and that she is real. Because I had a conversation with her some years ago. But long story short, she introduced herself to me and from that day moving forward, I will never disrespect her by addressing her by her anatomy. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, it goes into the first thing it says is all wisdom cometh from the Lord and is with him forever. So wisdom comes from God. Let's not have any comparison on that the word of God most high is the fountain of wisdom the word is the fountain and if the word is the fountain that means that something has to come out of that fountain for it really to be useful The Word of God, Most High, is the fountain of wisdom, and her ways are everlasting commandments. I want to skip down here to this uh, verse 9. I'm in chapter 1. Again, this is the Ecclesiasticus from the Apocrypha, chapter 1. Verse 9 says, He created her. He. He who? God. Let's go back up to verse 8 so I can better explain verse 9. Verse 8 says, There is one wise and greatly to be feared, the Lord sitting upon His throne. Okay? He said, This is the Lord God. He created her in verse 9. He and saw her and numbered her and poured her out upon all his works. So if you are the work of God, which is a child, then wisdom should be with you. Verse 10 says, She is with all flesh according to his gift, and hath given her to them that love him. Do you love God today? Do you love God today? Because if you do, then wisdom would abide, would walk, would talk with you she is so amazing and fearful and dreadful but only to get you into a place where you would be acceptable before the Lord where you could be trusted to do the work God has called you to do over here in verse 14. To fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and it was created with the faithful in the womb. Wisdom was created for those who love the Lord from the womb. And then it says in verse 15 that she hath built an everlasting foundation with men, and she will continue with their seed. I hope that you can take a look at this word and see that God has never been perplexed nor confused about the anatomy or the gender of the individuals that he speak of in his word today. She is amazing and I just hope that you would find her as I have and that you would begin to love and accept her as I have. That you might come into the knowledge of truth and be set free as I have. Concerning the word of God and wisdom, how she rained down skill and knowledge of understanding and exalt them to honor that lay hold on her. Thank you for this moment. I didn't want to keep you too long. I just wanted to touch on a couple of things that really just stood out to me uh, in this first uh, book of the Ecclesiasticus. And just remember that the fear of the Lord is wisdom and instruction and faith and meekness or his delight. God bless you, God keep you. Hope you enjoyed a little explanation on Chapter 1 of the Ecclesiasticus. Peace be with you. Good evening and God bless you all. This is Doris Williams getting ready to do a little commentation on the Chapter 12 of Ecclesiasticus. And if you've not read the Apocrypha, I would challenge you to find a copy online or in a bookstore somewhere, and um, if you are an avid reader like I am and love information and love wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, then I couldn't see any reason why you would not want to obtain this book that fulfills the rest of the Bible fills in much, uh, gaps that, um, have eluded us for so many years. And so I definitely recommend and challenge you to take a look at the Apocrypha. All right. I just got through reading chapter 12. And, uh, apologize if I sound a little funny. I do have, um, piece of candy, hard candy in my mouth. It was uh, I was a little parched. So, I'm um, uh want to talk a little bit about how powerful these words are in this book and and I can kind of see why they didn't want us to to find out this information. I mean, clearly, uh, when you get a chance, you look at ch- chapter 12 of the Ecclesiasticus, There's a few books in the Bible that's related to wisdom. But I tell you what, this Apocrypha is on point, uh, disclosing to us who she is. Wisdom is a female, if you hadn't got that through any of my other messages. um, I am avid about what I read and what I know to be true. Ain't no change in my mind on when these little eyes of mine's See what I see in this book. And in this book and several other books, the word she is prevalent on multiple occasions. You cannot avert your eyes from seeing the word she and her. So we know that wisdom is a female. Even the Proverbs tells us to call her our sister and call understanding our kinswoman. All right. So what I want to discuss um, from this chapter 12, it just put a person as I was reading. It actually put a person in my face. You ever read something and it put a person or a thing or a situation right there in your mind as you was reading? That's because that's a situation is is. The book is speaking to the situation, okay. The book is speaking to a situation. I recently had an issue on the job, and my my good was called bad and boy, if this book, chapter twelve from the Ecclesiasticus, did not address that, it addressed it clearly. And then it also addressed the fact of the deception by the individual who were pretending to like me, pretending to be my friend, going behind my back and speaking lies and speaking ill of the goodness that I've done because of a spirit that is upon them, a spirit of jealousy. Chapter 12, verse 4 says, give to the godly man and help not a sinner. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, now, now, don't you you, in the buildings today, they would tell you God says to help everybody. But that's not what this book says. And I can see why. Because if we're helping sinners, then we are giving them permission. We're giving them a license to continue sinning. That's clear. Now, you may think that I'm taking this out of content, but the words don't need no explanation. Give to the godly man and help Not a sinner. Well, I'm sure that could go on with many discussions and many ways uh, people could take that passage out of context. But I'm going to read it as it is. You know, and then it goes on and says, do well unto him that is lowly, but give not unto the ungodly. Anyway, that's really not what I wanted to touch on. But what really touched me is um, this part over here. Though he humble himself and go crouching, yet take good heed and beware of him. And thou shalt Be unto him as if thou hadst wiped a looking-glass, and thou shalt know that his rust hath not been altogether wiped away. It says, Set him not by thee, lest he hath overthrown thee, and stand up in thy place, and neither let him sit at thy right hand. This person on the job set at my right hand. Now that was not by choice. I didn't choose where I was sitting when I got there. That place was already chosen for me. But I do believe that over a period of time, while I was sitting where I was sitting, a change came about. Had nothing to do with me or that person sitting at my right. The change came about because they made a decision that the leaders need to be congregated closer to the, the members of the team. And so I was moved. And I thank God <laughs> that God is the one that made that decision for me to be moved so that my adversary would no longer be at my right And the place that they were put was way back in a corner by themselves, pretty much. Anyway, that's just my thought on that. Any this part that says, An enemy speaketh sweetly with his lips, but in his heart he imagineth how to throw thee into a pit. He will weep with his eyes, but if he find opportunity, he will not be satisfied with blood. Oh, my goodness. This is a person who is pretending to be your friend. This person on the job smiles in your face. But as soon as you walk away, they roll their eyes. Eyes and they attack you with their lips and thinking evil thoughts in their mind against you, and you haven't done anything to deserve it. They have taken your good and turned it around. Here, okay, let me read this part now. This is coming out of chapter 11. It says, for he lieth in wait and turneth good into evil. That's what they did to me. For he lieth in wait and turneth good into evil. And in things, it says worthy praise. I'm going to say praiseworthy because that's the term we use nowadays, but that's saying the same thing. The book says worthy praise says, For he lieth in wait and turneth good into evil, and in things worthy praise will lay blame upon thee. I tell you, you know, I did some good things on the job, and I realized I came in a little strong, you know, being a giver. One of the first things that I did was I bought kolaches. And I took them around and gave them out to different people on the floor. And this was probably day two or day three of my employment there. You know, just showing um, that I wanted to be a part of the team. So I brought kolaches and oh, nobody said anything bad about that. And then one day I, I had an excess of clothes that I had received. And I thought I would go through my clothes and, and take some things up there to, um, you know, the the job and and I know I, I at the time I, I was in such a giving mode I was so feeling so blessed that I have an excess of stuff I just wanted to be a blessing because someone had blessed me with some beautiful outfits for me to be able to wear to work in and so I went through my things and I took some clothes to the job and I gave a few ladies some outfits and got back that that uh, some people were offended um. Then, uh, that's around that same week, I gave out encouraging poems. Nothing, uh, Christian, but just motivational, inspirational poems. Put some on the people's desk. Okay, they said I went overboard, that I shouldn't be handing out material. So I I, I withdrew from everything that they said I did. And I realized that I was in an environment, even though this is a Christian, um, or Catholic industry that I work in in healthcare, yet we got people who were every denomination and yet spirituality and Christianity is not necessarily welcomed on the job <laughs> whoo I tell you the devil is just twisting and turning and hating even in Christian places for Christianity to take place Let me tell you something else that just kind of came into my mind real quick. Try not to hold you too long on this recording. But I went, I had a job interview with TBN. Yes, we're talking about the TV broadcasting station for the Christian channel. And the lady who did my interview was a Caucasian lady. And I could see all over her face, I don't know what, it was like a spirit of intimidation. And I know that I was proclaiming my uh, team leadership and how I like to be a part uh, uh, of encouraging the team and things like that. And just responding to her questions that she asked me. And, you know, she mentioned, you know, just because this is a Christian place, you know, not everybody is a Christian and you don't really have to be a Christian to work here. And and I said, I understand, but I am a Christian and I would love the opportunity to work in an environment where, you know, God is welcomed and and accepted. And, you know, I didn't get the job. I didn't get the job. And it bothered me. I said, Satan done took over even the places that are, that you're supposed to be able to be freely a Christian. You cannot be a freely a Christian anymore. I mean, it is not accepted. You can't say anything about God. You can't say anything about Christianity. You can't say anything about spirituality. And yet we live and work in an environment where jobs, quote-unquote, say they're of Christian ethics. But the people they hire is allowed to cuss on the job. They're allowed to be free in, in the evils of activities. In other words, they're actively evil on the jobs. But yet Christianity is smothered in politics and whatever. All right, y'all, I'm going to get ready to get myself off this line. I got to get back to work. I'm just talking while I'm waiting for my time to clock out. I shouldn't have said that. But anyway, probably nobody that I work with is listening to these recordings. So, um, But I am focused and... Um, tuned in on what's going on around me you guys have a great evening i hope that you enjoyed this uh, recording um on ecclesiasticus just be careful of the friends who say they are friends smile in your face and behind your back they're doing you in that's what we deal with but just know that god says that no matter what is brought upon us to take it cheerfully so that's what i've done all right god bless you guys have a good one This is Doris Williams on November 9th signing out. Y'all be blessed.